0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on when you're listening to this. My name is Richard Foster, and this is, I don't know which episode, but it's the first episode after a long hiatus of the Stromcast, and therefore we have back with us, um, I guess, our series regular at this point, Dr. Christopher Matthews. Um, Dr. Christopher Matthews has spoken to us before about why we do the things we do and various other topics. And today, we are going to have a look at um, how you might go about getting into reading science uh that was a question that was presented by joe jeffrey at fit expo and it's a question that probably warrants further
1: investigation correct flawless <laughs> very good mate very good yeah so should we do a little bit of a setup then we did our critical thinking talk at FitEx, which yep. went out quite well um and joe was there and and uh, as you know i've been on joe's podcast a few times so i know joe a little bit And one of the kind of conclusions in the critical thinking is to basically start reading science, right. It's to, to read stuff. Um, You know, that's, that's one of the ways you can't just think critically. You can't just like do philosophy without coming up with some sort of basis to build on. But then, yeah, Joe asked the great question, which I think was building on his own kind of personal experiences of trying to get into reading science years ago and maybe struggling. I think he'd admit that I think he said there that he struggled at first, which is obviously very normal. Um, So what do we do? So, I kind of, it was a little bit on the spot. Um, so I kind of bungled my way through an answer and I haven't really prepped today. So I'm going to bungle my way through an answer again. But let, let's start off a little bit with why the hell someone wants to, to think that they should read papers, right? Because oh. I think this, this is where it starts, right? When people are like, show me the papers or people are having debates and arguments and like, where's your evidence and all that sort of nonsense. I think, I think quite
0: often as well in those scenarios, when someone then presents evidence, if you're not able to pick through that, you you feel very much like well they've they've presented a study and as far as I know that proves whatever it is that the argument's about um, which is often not the case um, but it is still very often the case on the internet on Facebook on these bodybuilding and fitness groups that people will present a paper like that's the end of the conversation
1: yeah and I mean what kind of utter bullshit that is it's 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 horrific and especially in the world of science where I come from where there isn't a study. You know, it's social science. So it's, you know, where where I build up a body of evidence is over the course of like 20 or 30 years of looking at papers and and are they kind of guiding us in certain directions? So so for me, it's like, it doesn't make any sense. Now, there are some worlds of science, physics for one, um, and maybe even some extreme areas within biology where there could be a game-changing paper where one could come along and it's so good that actually this, this one study has to be looked at and considered. But not the fucking world of supplements and exercise. And <laughs> I mean, there, there are
0: there are some absolutes um, within things like supplements, uh, because there'll be elements of chemistry and things in there. But but you're right. In the vast majority of questions, like what's the best way to perform a bicep curl, um, there'll be many many shades of grey.
1: Yeah, and hopefully people aren't even asking that question as well, <laughs> because if they are, they can get lost. Best bicep curl. But so I think that's the first thing is to just just get everyone to wind their necks in about, I've read a study, I've read this, I've read that. If that's the reason you wanna go and learn how to read science, you're coming at it from like the completely wrong position. I wanna be able to defend my, sorry, let me turn my emails off. Um, I wanna be able to defend my bullshit argument on on Reddit or whatever TikTok nonsense grinder or whatever people <laughs> use to have these conversations. Therefore, Chris, teach me how to read a paper. No, go away, this, is, this isn't for you, get lost. You're not my sort of person. So let's say then, what, what would be an appropriate reason to start thinking about science? And I think this is where Joe was kind of coming from, is just the, the general people who listen to this podcast who probably want to know a bit more about the stuff that we do. And what, where I always capture that is, you, you've got to kind of have a, a, a job, that you're trying to achieve yeah. right? you've got you've got to go into it with some sort of I want to know this area more broadly and, and you might actually have a really specific target I want to really know something about my nutrition because I've got this 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 problem and I need to figure it out further down the line and and that's a really specific job and you might have a more generalized job but it needs to be something because then you have a guidance towards it
0: I suppose in that Example that you gave the 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 starting block and the bit that a lot of people will fall down on is just finding the literature. Mm. um That's that's something that's very difficult. I mean, I I still struggle with that myself sometimes because uh, not just in terms of of who's written it and who's produced it, but just the right paper in the first place in terms of uh, the content.
1: Yeah, well, let's put a pin in that for a sec because that's jumping further down a line that we've got to kind of get towards so if you've got this kind of idea of a job that you're trying to achieve a thing that you're trying to get done then you have to recognize especially if you've not done a degree and a degree is by no means the be all and end all but one of the things that we do do well at universities teach people to read stuff but if you've not done a degree you have to do basically what we would do in a degree which is first year we get you to read some introductory introductory texts some basic books about it so we don't go like The Krebs cycle, when you're looking at energy systems, here's 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 like the latest information on the Krebs cycle. We give you a book called Micaro Catch and Catch, and it and it goes through the basics of energy systems. That's where you start, right? Yeah. So you have to know what they're. And I think the equivalent outside of university is podcasts. Um, and this was one of the things that I said uh, at FitEx. And someone said, Well, how do we know which is a good podcast? It's a fucking great question, isn't it? Because a lot of this stuff is gurus and snake oil salesmen. So I think in that instance, you've got to be asking around. So the, the, the beginning of this, I think is to ask people stuff. One of the questions is, how do I, how do I get into science? And then the second one is, who, where do I start? And there's a bunch of podcasts that we'll know of. Um, let's drop a couple in here because you know a few, but I, I really like the Revive Stronger podcast and anything that Mike Isretel does is solid science. Joe's website. optimal
0: physique development, as long as it's not a topic that I disagree on Joe with. yeah, That's a good place to be. Um, I find things like Joe Rogan could be very, very unhelpful. um, And (laughs) I'm sure there's a lot of people that do listen to that as a source of factual information.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so with that in terms of broader education, philosophical thinking, and all the kind of, some of the interesting topics he covers. Yeah, again, you've got to go in with a skeptical eye. And here's, here's one of the problems. If you go into these things, and your job, as we talked about earlier, and this is where this kind of circles back slightly, if your job is to prove what you already think is the case, right? And you're just going, Oh, I need evidence to prove this, you, you're going in with the wrong job. Information bias. And, exactly, yeah. And Joe Rogan's a classic example for that. And 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 you've hit the nail on the head with Joe's podcast. There's some really Joe's also stuff, a
0: terrible there. example of authoritarian bias. So he's he can quite often both be giving the answers that people are looking for and be in a position of per- perceived authority on whatever topic he decides to talk about on that day. I'm sure he's a lovely guy, but I've yeah. heard him talk about supplements and 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 there have been things that are just factually wrong. Yeah. Um, however, when I've discussed this with people, but Joe Rogan said it's been deemed a completely legitimate <laughs> argument.
1: Yeah. Think of Joe Rogan like a GP. He's your first in, you got a bit of an illness, right? You go and see your GP, but you know, they're a general practitioner. They don't know shit about spinal injuries other than rest, ice compression, elevation, wicked. Thanks for that on my spine. So they send you somewhere else and Joe Rogan's good for that. I think That's, that's how to think with those sort of things. So, yeah, we can't go in cherry picking. We can't go in looking for, the, for the, the answer. We have to go in looking for, like, initially some base level understanding. Once we've got that, then for this area, right, there's so many, tech, there's so many books that have been re- written recently by Renaissance Periodization. Menel Henselman's has got a book out as well about training methods and all that sort of stuff. If that's what you want, that's what you're into, then you go for that. Now, you have to find the equivalent of what the science is in your area. So if you're doing social science research methods, you know, you come to my book, right? Because it's a nice, easy intro and it gets you doing it in a practical way. But it's finding that sort of what what I sometimes refer to as the golden text, wherever your level is, you have to find the text that fits for you at that time. So so that's the start point. So we kind of like go in with it. We, we, We don't go in at the sharp end. We can't think that we're going to go in and read complex existential phenomenology when we start looking at f- um, philosophy we, we go in at the very basics and we try and understand some simple ideas and that's the same with any sort of science so i think that's the first thing that people have to get when they want to read papers is don't read papers how important when, when well
0: i was about to say but then you you cut my legs out i was about to say when it comes to reading papers how important would you say it is to find papers that you actually find enjoyable to read
1: right so let's do that for let's do the podcast textbooks right they're not some of them are going to be useful some of them are going to some of them are going to be challenging but usually a podcast and a textbook is going to be much more consumable than any written paper any paper so that's where we start once you've got that knowledge and then you have to kind of like well what what amount of knowledge is that that might take six months that might take six months of half decent reading around certain topics and just before I move off that, and we get to your, your question there, the other thing is people kind of assume that academics are hard to reach and, we, and, and that we won't help for some reason, I don't know why, the kind of the legacy of universities like us, these special places, it's nonsense. Yes, at some universities and some academics are complete douchebags, of course they are. But if someone said to me, and came to me and said, Chris, where do I start with social science? Obviously I'd help them, like dead, dead, dead simple, right? go to like the biggest academics in the world and they probably will not respond to you because they're too busy but someone like me just like a middle of the road academic we will help so that's the other thing to think if you know someone in your area send them a message look i'm trying to kind of get into this what what are you what are you things that you tell people to read in the first year and what that will do is it'll highlight what books we assign in the first year and all you do is you get a, a book from about four years back or four like 20 years back because the science hasn't changed that much at that level that intro level okay so we've got now a basic knowledge whatever that takes six months to a year or whatever and then what was your question it was about a paper that you can read uh, yeah how important reading. is it
0: how important is it in your opinion that you uh, you you find content that's, that's enjoyable and well written because particularly with the field that a lot of people that listen to this will be about i.e. bodybuilding and stuff a lot of it will just be statistical analysis and and these are the tests we did and this is the outcome and i find that some of those are incredibly difficult to read because there's just nothing about the way they're written that holds your attention and some of them are actually quite enjoyable um is that something you consider to be important something
1: to to factor in yeah i guess It, 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 it again it depends at the level you're coming into it doesn't it so for me when i have to read papers that are in my area the 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 level of the writing shouldn't matter, right? Because I've just got, I've got to read it. I've got to understand what's going on in my area. So that's that. Mm-hmm. But if you're coming in at a lower level um, and just trying to understand stuff, then I would be avo- I'd be avoid anything challenging to begin with. What would be the point in that? Because you're, you're not making a living off this. You're just trying to educate yourself a bit. So, and, and, and I actually give similar advice to my first year PhD students where I'm like, just, if you, if you can't be asked, don't worry about it. Like you're gonna read this by the end of the project, you don't need to like drill through it in the first year And this is probably the same advice for anyone getting into this area you find that something's written in a really bad way make a note in your mind okay i've not read this maybe i'm not ready for it because it might be written well but you just don't get the words yet and then come back to it later on so i think that's something to be aware of and at the same time there's texts that are written with with these kind of things in mind i.e., someone trying to understand a broad area so you'll hear people talk about um meta-analysis and things like that, where they try and pull lots and lots of research together. I mean, if you're trying to understand a basic topic, you go to the meta-analysis to begin with, once you've got some understanding. Yeah. And, and if you're not going to be writing a scientific critique, don't worry about the statistical analysis of the meta-analysis. Just take it that it's, it's never perfect. There's no such thing as a perfect analysis. There's no such thing as perfect stats. So know that it's wobbly. Everything is wobbly and everything has doubt to it. And then go in with that approach and, and, and read that paper and understand it as much as you can. What, what tend, people tend to do is they tend to just jump straight to the conclusions, which is fine. But usually the introduction and the lit review is where a lot of the juices are, where a lot of the information, the background information is, is hidden away. And people are, oh, I just want to know what this study says. F the study, because it's one study. Look at the literature that they've talked about and the way they've constructed their argument to justify their paper. And that will give loads and loads of information. So I think I kind of like, I've answered that question a little bit, but moved away from it in, in terms yeah. of trying to understand where the easier parts are rather than an easy paper. But
0: something, some you, reason- just, something you just touched on was, um, you know, people saying, I just, I just want to know what this study says. It's important to understand that just because something is written in a conclusion doesn't make it fact. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but Again, particularly referring to, to our Strom's field. Yeah. Um, you know, and I guess with social sciences even more so. Um, but but that's something that people get really tied up in. This study has said in the conclusion this, therefore that is a, a fact. And that's simply not the case. It shows that the conclusion will probably show that that's what that study demonstrated with that specific set of variables and that specific set of people at that particular time. Yeah. And certainly if you find four or five studies that demonstrate the same thing, you're starting to get a good way towards a fair amount of conclusion that, they're all looking in the right direction but actually with things like training um for example you could probably find three studies that all conclude completely different things despite looking at exactly the same area
1: yeah for sure and that's again why you have the lit review because a well-constructed literature review literally (laughs) reviews the literature it goes through these blocks of analysis that we're talking about not single papers a good lit review might actually go into detail or on or or one or two papers that are very, very close to the current study. But most of it is like, it starts usually and goes from the general to the specific. So it'd be like, you know, over the last 20 years of, of studying X, we have found that over and over Y seems to happen, right? Like, oh, wicked. Okay. So that sounds like something I can build my thoughts on because these people have done some of the work for me, which is synthesis of literature. And Here's where it gets a bit more challenging for people who are trying to read science. When you accept that one paper doesn't do much, well, I'm asking you then if that's the case to read lots and lots of papers and some people haven't got the time or motivation for that, but literature reviews do it. So papers do this stuff or should do this stuff pretty well. Um, And then just back to your point around conclusions in papers, papers are written for scientists, right? In, in, In the end, We try and write as well as possible, and there's certain texts which we can write in more accessible ways. But an academic paper, an academic journal, reviewed by academics, written by academics, is not a surprise, it's it's to be read by academics. And therefore, some of the caveats that we know to put in, like you've just done there, or a conclusion does not mean this all the time, doesn't need to be said. Because I know when I read that paper, oh, OK, the, 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 the problems in these analysis, they're a part of my analysis anyway. Yeah. But it's very easy when you're reading that for the first time to be like, oh, this is, this is truth and this is gospel and, and, and that's not the case. So part of this kind of reading is also to really be aware of the language and, and look at the language in detail and pick out what the, what the literal word, of the, 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 the sentences, sorry, the literal meaning of the sentences are. Where, where people use the word literally completely wrong, right? Um, this is the time where it's correct because you're reading literature. Yes. And in those words, if it says, this study has shown that under certain conditions, these things seem probable, you've already got three caveats. This study, certain, probable, not all the time, every time, always. It's, yeah. it's these caveats that are in there. And I think people tend to lose the detail when they read that. Oh, look, this happens all the time. No, 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 no. He no, said in this study, certain conditions, this happens probably, right? Okay, now we know where we are. Then I think we, just can, we can just move it on a little bit and start to think about the utility for the sample of the, of, sorry, the utility of the sample that we're looking at in research for actually the people who listen to this podcast. And we've talked about this a million times, right? How, many, how, ma- how much research on these supplements is done with fit, low body fat, usually men, usually probably quite a lot of men, actually, with lots and lots of muscle, <clears> who have <throat> very good health in some respects, and also very, very bad health in other respects, potentially. Well, yeah, the answer yeah. to that is almost none.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's, um, I think one of the best examples is um Epicatechins are all the rage. A few years ago, they were touted as a natural anabolic. I don't know if it's a product that you've heard of. Um, they're, they're a green tea extract. They're a, they're a component of green tea, a very small component. And there was a study done, um, and, and American supplement companies, British supplement companies, there's not a lot we can say. We can't make claims and things. I can put a link on my website to studies that have been done on ingredients. That's about it. Um, But there was a big spate of American supplement companies saying that these are uh, show steroid like things. And they were they were showing excerpts from a study. And the study showed that over a six week period, this particular ingredient increased strength by a factor of 50 percent, something like that. So that was that was the claim. And there was a study uh, and the study was in. I think there were over 60 year old men. There was one group who used this supplement and trained their grip every day for six weeks. And there was another group who didn't use this supplement and didn't train their grip. And the group who used the supplement at the end of the six weeks increased their grip strength by 50%. Yeah. But they also trained their grip strength for six weeks. Yeah. There was nothing factually incorrect about what the American supplements companies said, other than the fact that there was no context
1: given. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you end up with these kind of wonky interpretations based on one study based on a weird sample. When some of the people in this podcast would probably be like just completely out of it. I mean, and one of the things I think is a really solid thing around supplements is that they they work right if you've got some sort of lack in your system. So yep. we know if your body synthesizes creatine correctly, I'm kind of outside of my language here, then you don't really need to supplement creatine that much. Mm. Okay, so give me an example where... Uh, vitamin... Magnesium. So you uh, take magnesium, there you go. It, it yeah, helps.
0: magnesium, vitamin, most vitamins, to be honest, if your diet's good. Creatine's yeah. a bit of an outlier because as time's going on, we're finding more and more benefit. They're doing studies on creatine now with um, with children, babies, for oh, right. cognitive development. Um, oh, right. ATP is, you know, as we know, fuel source for your muscles, but, but it's also the fuel source in your brain. Uh, they're, they're doing studies on it with Alzheimer and dementia as well in, in, in elderly people um so that that one's a bit of an outlier that's like the the best supplement on the planet if you want to use an example of something that really does have a a tangible return yeah on its on its value um that i never remember to take
1: yeah um but yeah as as a general point though um (laughs) if you look at that let's leave creatine and you go oh magnesium helped in this population who are deficient in magnesium therefore i should take magnesium hold on yep. are you deficient in magnesium so the next point i want to make is back to the job you're trying to do right so i'm trying to be more healthy i'm trying to understand supplements fine read the studies But what do you know about you as a sample because you're a sample you are an n equals one experiment which you can try stuff on um and, and that's really important because if you've not done if you've got no reason to think that you need some of these things, you've not done your job right to go into the literature. So if you have got a magnesium deficiency? Oh yeah, I have. Right. Okay. Now you've got a job. Haven't you? Now you know where you're going. But if you're just like casually reading stuff without any real knowledge of you, like, how do you like to lift? What do yeah. you like to do as you train Like what are your health problems and, and, and all that sort of stuff? It really helps shade this and make it more specific.
0: Yeah yeah I mean a deficiency out the window but but kind of health problems and stuff you can find studies that have been done on people that have similar issues to whatever it is that you might be yeah. presenting with or, or struggling with um magnesium's an interesting option that I've always used magnesium for sleep um until I was prescribed beta blockers for my my you know, my new heart problem and now magnesium gives me absolutely terrifying nightmares right <laughs>
1: okay. um
0: like proper night terrors i had I had my first experience of um what do you call it um where you you're awake but you can't move
1: sleep paralysis
0: yeah yeah um and, and it took me a while to work out that it was the magnesium that was that was causing it um but that had just become such an ingrained thing well magnesium is good for me i take that before bed yeah. without considering that me as a sample had changed
1: yeah yeah so yeah for example when we're doing this most of the people that will be reading this will be listening to this will probably in that situation of trying to understand science to help them in some certain way. Not like I try and understand science because I've got to literally understand the science in my discipline to keep on top of it, to write about it. So it's a very different position to come from. And I think people forget that, oh, like, well, I'm going to read some studies. What the fuck for? Like, if, unless you know, unless it's some like half decent reason, don't worry about it. It's like, it's like learning a skill that you'll never use. Like I'm going to start rock climbing, but you, do you ever think you're going to take it up? No, no, I don't really like it. Well, fucking don't do it then. And it's like, kind of similar. So people really need to have that. And I think that as well, would you have that, really pushes people to learn to... Sorry, it gets people past sometimes the papers being challenging.
0: I suppose the reason a lot of people at the moment want to read science um, is to see if people like me are bullshitting them.
1: Right, okay. I think that's
0: the primary reason people will speak to me about how do I find out more about this? How do I find out more about that? Not because they mistrust me, but I think there is a lot of mistrust for the industry in general. And the industry has been a cunt for mispresenting things um yeah. so I think that's a big reason why people want to and there, there's a whole there's a whole load of mistrust with various bodies issues in the world at the moment isn't there so
1: yeah certainly yeah and I, and I think that's not that's not a bad reason to get into it as long as you do it for the right reasons when you come out because the problem with that is it's it's you, you're going to cherry pick oh, I want to prove I want to disprove that this claim was wrong right well go and cherry pick a paper and you'll do it well you won't will you so what, we, what we're talking about here is a bit of the philosophy of science and what tends to not get taught outside of university, but we do teach it in university is philosophy. We might not call it that because it puts our students off, but that's what we're doing. And the philosophy of science is what we started with, that usually no one paper changes the game, usually can slightly, but it's around an understanding that there's, there's no papers to prove a thing. You have to have a, an understanding of a body of evidence and that within that, your specific experience might be completely different. So you keep reading that beta-alanine is dead good, or yeah. maybe the opposite, and then you take it and it does nothing. Well, that is that just dis- disprove the papers? No, it shows that maybe there's something wrong with your beta-alanine or something different about you. And people like forget that when they're looking at science because it's this, with, this replacement for religion now. This like big thing. Science is this. It's facts, well, nonsense.
0: With with beta-alanine, it's a really good example. Actually, um, it can quite often be that actually the the changes in performance, although statistically measurable, are imperceivable. Oh,
1: right, to the individual, yeah.
0: To the individual, absolutely. I actually attended a lecture at your university on um, uh, bicarbonate soda. Um, oh, I remember, yeah. I remember. You could and, um, yeah. And, and I guess that would be a lot, of, like statistically, they consistently found that it was efficacious. But unless you are a track and field runner where you're timing your sprints every yeah. day, you're not going to know it's a difference. Yeah you know, like a 5% increase in recovery rate as an athlete is statistically relevant and going to make a difference over the course of 12 months. Yeah, But you're not going to feel that. Yeah, and And one odd
1: thing for people to think they would even feel anyway, like your body is as refined as a scientific instrument. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, I can feel that. And in certain instances, yes, you can, right? You can feel certain elements of things. But then as well, if you can feel something, like you can feel caffeine making you jittery, That doesn't mean to say it's going to have a performance benefit for you. That's
0: that's exactly right. And that is something that's really difficult with. There are certain products on the market at the moment, pre-workout wise and stuff that will get you fucked up. Yeah. But they don't have anything in the way of ergogenic benefits. Yeah. Yeah. But an ergogenic benefit, the consumer isn't really going to notice until they get 12 months down the line and go, actually, you know what? I've made really good progress. And even then you can't assign it to one thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, perception and bias is really, really difficult, particularly within within supplements and, and sports science and, and all of those things. Um,
1: what we're getting at there, though, is all of that last bit of discussion, that's philosophy of science. Yes, we're giving specific examples and we're not using necessarily complex terms. But what we're doing is showing basic critical thinking around evidence, um, usability of findings, so pragmatism, problems with samples, all this sort of stuff. Now, if you go into reading this stuff without that knowledge, that's going to be really, really hard to pick up. So I think some of this stuff is getting to grips with philosophy of science and not being scared of it. I think yeah. people, people do two things with philosophy of science. One, that, be scared. And be like, oh, what's this with these big thinky words? And the, the second is they hear the word philosophy and think, no, 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 I want to do stuff in practice. I'm not bothered about the thinking stuff. It's nonsense. We've This whole last half an hour is based on well, our understanding of philosophy of knowledge a philosophy of proof yeah. philosophy of evidence philosophy of all that sort of stuff and people neglect to recognize that philosophy is a really practical um i was gonna call it a science it's not it's a dimension of science which is very very practical people think it's it's abstract and of course it is in one respect that way it's written can be challenging and the historical ideas of it is people literally kind of thinking through stuff and trying to understand them but you apply you always apply it to stuff and the whole yeah. field of science is philosoph- philosophical in nature that's why i'm a doctor of philosophy right I, i'm not a, i'm not an md i'm not a medical doctor i'm a f- doctor of philosophy yeah. that's what phd stands for
0: have you ever been in that situation in an airport or similar though where someone says is there a doctor here and you've kind of oh but not really
1: I've been in it and obviously not done a thing because I can't. Oh, no. Good, okay. Unless, unless they want rest price, rest price, rest ice compression elevation, I've got nothing. <laughs> so I just keep your head down. In effect, you just keep your head down. It does say on my on my passport, this person is a doctor. It's written actually in bold letters. Useful. For, that, for that reason. It didn't, they don't just put DR in front of your name. They put this person is a doctor. And it's like, well, yeah, but fucking hell unless you want to unless you want to get into like social stigma of fucking this that and the other you, i'm not going to help you much no, i mean
0: if someone's terminal you can have a chat about it with them and and, and ruin that whole experience for them.
1: yeah i could i could certainly talk about uh, the existential passing of life and all that sort of stuff definitely. definitely
0: not a conversation i'm having with you anytime soon no
1: certainly not, certainly not. not a chance.
0: so so i think there's
1: there's a lot of there's a lot of thinking around um where we go with this sort of stuff, where we go with science. And I think people get very, very caught up in it, in a, in a, in a, in multiple ways. We started with that issue around, I'm going to prove this. I'm going to go and cherry pick a paper. Look, I've proved it, fuck you on Twitter sort of thing or whatever people use these days. It's only me who uses Twitter, apparently. It is only me um, who uses Twitter. So there's a, then, there's, then there's the personal side of it, of like what you're actually trying to achieve with this, and get over, get over yourself if you think it's going to be easy as well, and go to the basic text. I had a student say to me in my third year module um, that books are no good. Bear in mind, at that point I'd written, I'd edited two. This year I've published one, I've got next one going. And this person says to me to my face, books are no good because it's papers. I was like, you, could, you couldn't be further from the truth especially under what was his
0: fundamental argument in terms of a lack basically, of future change or
1: no yeah, he basically he basically decided that because papers are peer reviewed and books aren't and they kind of are really like mine's my mine stuff's peer reviewed and that people have looked at it who are my peers and helped me yeah. get it better
0: well this is another phrase yeah. that people think makes something infallible yeah which let's, which let's, it doesn't you know oh, well, that study get, was peer into, reviewed
1: let's get into that after i've made this point so so books are peer reviewed, but also in, in a different way, but also like you, you don't go write in books unless you've got something to write about because you've done a load of work. Right. I don't write a book. So I'm like, oh, I can't publish papers anymore. I've got shitloads of papers out. I don't need more papers. What I need to do is bring it together in a different medium. So a paper for me is 8000 words within your area. It's usually about 4000 words because we're a lot more wordy in, in social sciences. But a book is. Hundred thousand words, so I can do shitloads more. So books are really valid in that way, and also I can present it to a, in a voice which is more accessible. So books are ace. Anyway, so I'm encouraging everyone to get into books, basically, rather than worrying about papers. Then we were talking about peer review, right? Oh my God, people think peer review is this this amazing system. It's basically the the worst. Sorry, the best of the worst systems. It's it's we're stuck with it. It's a little bit like democracy. It's good, democracy you make have a look at so, it say again
0: it's getting your mates to have a look
1: in some respects yeah like, democracy is so fundamentally flawed but it's better than most other systems same as peer review so there's the idea that someone's doing blind peer review right so I'm I, I write something about boxing and most people will know it's me already so there's no such thing as it being blind peer reviewed they'll, they'll have a very good guess it's me or maybe two or three people others because of the way that I write the things that I write about so so that's just an example from my past. The the lower down the journals you go, the less, the less um the less the editors can be picky about who does their reviews for them. Yeah. So what you tend to find is that the further you go up science, the, the better journals you publish in, but also the better journals you review for. Um and that works for me because the better journals I can review for, it means the better papers I review, which means I have to do less work usually. When I get offered to do, I, I get asked to do peer reviewer kind of poor journals and I, and I, and I feel a bit mad, mean really but there are journals that just just aren't as good the work is t- it tends to be rubbish like I don't mean like it's not very good I mean it's really really poor like I've, I've looked at papers recently I guess over the last couple of years half of the papers that I've reviewed have been really really bad in certain ways I don't mean I, I don't mean like oh you know Chris is just being picky because he's a scientist no no I mean, the have made mistakes that undergrads wouldn't make. And that I wouldn't allow my, super, my PhD students to submit that paper because it's not good enough. So this is the world that we're kind of operating in with peer review. Um, and obviously, in different levels, it's much better. And in, in really just, kind of...
0: Just for the clarity of people who maybe haven't been involved in that, if you review something and it's shit, yeah. does it still get published?
1: No, 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 we re- reject it. I mean, if it's shit, right, it should never have come to me. And that's what we call a desk rejection. So what happens there is it goes into the editor and the editor should look at it, see it's shit, and not even send it out. Because if that editor sends it to people, he's, in effect, wasting the time of the people who are reviewing. And we yeah. review for free. It's part of our, what you, what we you call academic citizenship. It's part of being a part of this big process we call science. We review for free. Your often, comments, yeah. often at the weekend, often in the evening. People moan about it all the time. But again, it's it's not a perfect system so often i'll say straight away to the editor this should have been desk rejection and then i'll review it and i'll make it very clear why it was a desk should have been a desk rejection then it'll go back and it'll either get rejected or we have we call major revisions where this person needs to properly rework the work a major revision the clues in the name it's like you've got so much work to do on this and often major revision papers um they'll they'll not they'll not do it they'll send it somewhere else they'll make some changes and send it somewhere else possibly not as good as a journal to be honest and then the other version just let me go through it while we're going through it then you get minor minor revisions which is like acceptance basically if you get minor revisions it's like fucking brilliant so it's been rejected but with minor revisions that you can go back and redo yeah so different to a rejection it's like rejected see you later and then you have um acceptance and you usually do the deal with the reviews reveal deal with the questions the comments push back on them where the reviewers were wrong and you can demonstrate why they were wrong and there's there's reasons why they should be because it's your work you know it better than the reviewers a lot of the time and then hopefully it gets accepted by the end but like you did say as well there's 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 ways of cooking the system of cooking the books you know people send it to their mates and you shouldn't have so much control over that, but it does, that does happen, especially within little cliquey little areas. So that those sort of things are, are quite problematic. And no, we don't get paid to publish. And no, we don't get paid to review. We just do it for free. How nice is that? Yeah, well, you communists. Um
0: communists. I mean, with, with regards to books, I, um, as most of you listening to this will know, I've had quite a bit of time at home at the moment. And when I've not been off my tits on drugs, I've been trying to read. Um, and I find I used to read loads in my early 20s and as a teenager, like endlessly. And I found that, that phones and laptops and computers have, for me, made reading really, really difficult yeah. because I'll be reading about something and then there'll be something that I, uh, I read a book on Chernobyl recently. And it took me about three weeks to read something that I should have be able to read in a day or two um, because I'd find something and I would then be on my phone Googling that specific thing to get more detail on it, only to find that actually it was covered later in the book anyway. There's right. um, nothing to do with the topic of the podcast. It's just a,
1: well, no, a situation
0: that I find reading at the moment really, really hard
1: Yeah, it because is. on a
0: computer I can jump from topic to topic. I can follow the trail of most interesting breadcrumbs, which you can't do with a book. You're, you're on a bus and you're going wherever the fuck the driver takes you.
1: Yeah, and, and to be honest, people—the uh, way you're framing that—is somewhat as a negative, and I, and I do see that. But actually, sometimes I I say to my students, especially in first year of PhD, Wikipedia is your friend. Disappear down a Wikipedia rabbit hole. It's it's wicked. Some of the stuff that you can do with the topics that I'm into, you can you can really get to understand some of these old dead white dudes who were writing about this stuff like 150 years ago, and it's quite useful to understand it because you understand where they were living, what time they were living. Oh, this was kind of in the Protestant Reformation. Oh, okay, fucking hell. That's why this person writes in this way. And you know that sort of information. So that's the first thing. The second thing, and and this links into actually a a thing that I've got on my website. So immersiveresearch.co.uk, there's a thing about academic reading. Annoyingly, I recorded it and my, the, the mic that I'm using today didn't work very well. So it's a bit tinny, but anyway deal with it if you're into it. Um, and it talks about academic reading. Some of these discussions that we've talked about today are covered in that. So if anyone wants to go a bit further there, go for that. Um, so anyway, with academic reading or reading in a broad sense, there's a couple of ways that you have to think. One is a lot of people now, especially when I advise my students, they can't concentrate for more than 10 or 15 minutes. Like I have stu- undergrads in their third year who I know I have to do reme- what we probably think of as remedial reading. Money. I'll catch up with
0: you soon. It's an, a man with electrics. Oh, nice. Electrician. Nice. <laughs> um, sparky. Yeah, so, he's been so putting I... in my EV charging point in my garden because I'm all about the environment. Of course you are.
1: So so I have to kind of go back to basics, even with third years, and be like, right, you can't – you do a genuine audit. Can you Can you concentrate for more than 10 minutes? No, Chris. Right, well, now you're basically at the gym on day one of a training programme and you can only bench 40 kilos so we're gonna have to get you to 60 before christmas or you look like a weirdo when you go home and train with your mates or whatever so we go right 10 minutes today 20 minutes next week is the target how are you going to get from 10 to 20 minutes of concentration i do that with it putting the phone away having your computer open so that you can do notes but with the internet off right and and you, you can see you know you know they struggle they, they, they go home they try it and they struggle so the first thing is to treat reading in the first instances especially if you've got no concentration anymore because of social media like you treat training and get better at it number yeah. one and then the second one is to is to really think about when you've got that concentration and you're into a topic well now you actually can go back to the internet and you can have your phone open because sometimes you need to look up words yeah and there's two ways to do that you can just plow through the words and you don't get it so you move on but that's really really difficult with some things or you you search them as you go along but you have the risk of going down the rabbit's hole um so and sometimes that can be beneficial
0: uh, if you're doing this recreationally um yeah i mean if i look in my tabs at the moment i was actually reading a study a while ago uh, well i started reading about insomnia because i couldn't sleep without the medication they've put me on which then led me on to reading about uh, fatal insomnia which is a condition that's a prion disease which then led me on to reading about um, a gentleman who was into alternative medicine and had this condition. And he extended his life from the kind of nine months expected lifespan to about three years. Um, And then I ended up reading into some of the supplements that he used. And there's actually one that isn't in use in the UK at the moment that could be useful um, that we're going to trial and we're going to we're going to maybe try and run it within with 20 or 30 it's a it's a herbal thing that is used commonly in in a couple of countries in the world so it's it's got good safety data on it already but joining those dots can sometimes be useful as long as yeah as long as you're on your own time frame i guess your own schedule yeah.
1: plus you had a job right you you knew what you were doing so you followed that path and sometimes it can be great just to follow any path if, if I you just know.
0: wanted to sleep without taking valium right that, that is so, all that was that was a night of i want to sleep without taking valium which then led into actually here's something that might be useful as an ingredient in neuro
1: yeah 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 nice but that it, it highlights that need doesn't it like that that's a job and it makes sense to go down that path but if you sort of get sidetracked you've got to really work on that and probably stop it initially but i think it's really important to be able to to not just go over words i used to do this because i've always struggled with reading i obviously don't do anymore because i have to do it every day all day most of the time and, and writing as well I always struggled with it it's why I teach it because I, I know I can teach it to people better than other people who've never struggled with it mm. uh, sometimes I used to like see a word and just be like, oh, I don't know and just go on but you don't understand like the yeah. words are there usually for a reason so you have to go to that word you have to look it up you know I do this when I do research methods and I'm, I'm constantly talking about epistemology and ontology and people get lost you're like right
0: no what? idea what epistemology is
1: yeah, there's so there's such simple words, but we use them all the time because they mean something. So epistemology is what we can know about what we know. How do we know what we know? Like it's a study of knowledge basically. And if I say that every time, then it gets quite long winded. And ontology is what exists. So how do we know that something exists? We can talk about it in terms of tables, or we could talk about it in terms of ideas. How does an idea exist? And we can talk about it like with mythical creatures like God. You no, know, how do we know that exists? Well, we don't because some people would say that because their epistemology would be based on belief rather than, than fact as we would understand it. Anyway, so the point is those words, I'm very comfortable with them and I have to get my students to be very comfortable with them because I use them all the time. And some, to some extent, academics have to use words for stuff which is not in normal language. Got to learn them, yep. that, that, yes. that's it. Like there's a way in which academics can write like complete dickheads, that's the one side writing in a way which basically means no one can understand it except for your best mates then there's the other side where academics dumb down their work to the point where it becomes unuseful we have to find the middle ground which is a two-way process one me as an academic writing nicely in a way which is open and accessible and when i use complicated words defining them which is what i do in the book as you'll as you'll know use a lot of footnotes but that's not possible in papers as possible. And then the other one is for people who are reading it to actually go, right, reading is an active process. It's not like fiction where you can just sit back and let the story wash over you. It's not reading Lord of the Rings, it's not that. And if you think it is, you're in for a, a bit of a fucking fall, aren't you? you you've yeah. got to be going into these words and go, oh shit, Chris has said something here which don't make any sense. Okay, I'm going to have to do a bit of groundwork. And there's been times when people have read, you know, two pages in a whole day. Like yeah. some of my students two pages because they've had to trace every single bit down well that's it that's the job and, and i
0: guess a lot of these keywords or specific words will be hopefully um relevant specific to the topic so if someone yeah. were into sociology there would be a, a set of keywords that might come up more than others
1: that when totally, you got yeah. your head
0: around it becomes a little bit easier
1: yeah and wikipedia again is a friend for that It's like in our first year, we we, with our students, we have to like obviously keep them off Wikipedia because they go to Wikipedia and it's it's not the sort of knowledge we need to get them to use. Yeah. Once we've got them understanding what papers are and how they work and all that, then we can come back to Wikipedia and use it. It's quite useful.
0: But but in the context of this, I was going to say in the context of this, Wikipedia can be a useful tool for people that are just wanting to like you don't have to read scientific papers to understand a topic. I spend huge amounts of time on Wikipedia, and the only thing I would say that it's important to do is to then check where those references in wikipedia come from which is no different to what you would do with a study uh, potentially um which is how i ended up on this specific paper about this gentleman with this condition and you know you go and you read uh, because wikipedia is effectively just somebody writing a summary of um, it's almost them writing a um, what was the term you used for it lit review earlier it's, it's true, almost it? like someone writing a lit review
1: yeah it's very similar yeah
0: um it's just that the person who's written the lit review is unidentifiable
1: um yeah maybe i'm not sure but, about but
0: that. then but then it gets peer-reviewed because anybody can yeah. go like you can go onto wikipedia and if you found a page about sociology and you're like, actually that's not correct yeah as long as you can
1: cite why it's not correct you can go in and change it yeah and there's no one trying to sell you a, a supplement at the bottom of it so you know you can you can somewhat trust it the what the, the language is important again oh you know i said earlier about looking for the wording and the language i said you can somewhat trust it so there's there's yeah, trust I certainly in it
0: I certainly wouldn't want the conclusion from a podcast on getting into reading scientific studies to be just go read Wikipedia. No, um,
1: but it's more,
0: you, you talked before about a job, um, you know, what, what job are you trying to achieve? What are you trying to do? If what you're trying to do is get a bit of a better understanding of how creatine works, it's not a bad place to be. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's no different to what I said earlier But the, about the, the textbook that I mentioned on the Krebs cycle. It's mm. not massively dissimilar. Yes. There's yeah, yeah. levels to this. And if you reference Wikipedia in a university setting, you'll get laughed at. But it, it, it depends what your job is. If your job isn't to get a first at university, well, all bets are off, right? Let's look at what we can. Let's look at what we can read to try and understand and, it. As long as we know that these things are fallible, and we always obviously,
0: have to- as as we know, I haven't been to university, but um from what i'm told if you reference wikipedia at university you'll be laughed at. i've been told that several times um my ex used to used to say when i talked about wikipedia like you know if you talked about wikipedia at university you'd get laughed out of the room but if someone read wikipedia and then referenced the study at the bottom of the wikipedia page that's fine
1: no you'd have to read the study oh well, yeah of course you read the study but yes but, and, but and that's and how you it. got there let me just get rid of some of the snobbery here as well, because I've said that in a kind of throwaway way. And actually, it's been said to me several times. Yeah, well, the way it would work with us and, and most universities now are much more aligned with this sort of way. If a student used Wikipedia in their, one of their first assessments, that would be my fault because we haven't shown them in enough detail why Wikipedia doesn't work and why they need to get used to reading these other things. So one, it's my fault. So if it's my fault, I'm not laughing at him. If anything, I'm going, damn it, why didn't I get this through to you? Maybe it's engagement. Maybe it's our fault together, me and the yeah. student. I don't know. But that's the first thing. So there'd be no laughing at someone. But by the second or third year, we wouldn't be laughing. We'd just be saying, you can't use this. It's, it's, this is not good enough scholarship. Now, you're then finding the actual snobbery to it, which is, You could go and learn from that Wikipedia entry and then go and find some science. Yes. And there is an element of that's somewhat problematic that we can kind of do that. But we have to have some sort of standards. We have to have people demonstrating they can read academic papers and books. And if we just if we allow everyone to just start you know, referencing this, that and the other, it doesn't really work because the systems aren't in place. The peer review, as we know it, isn't the same.
0: Yeah. Although there will come a point in twenty years' time where, if someone identifies as a doctorate-level individual but only has Wikipedia knowledge, you will have to accept that identification. That's <laughs> coming. You know that, right?
1: Get lost, mate. Get lost. It's happening. <laughs> I'm not getting into that debate. You know, I stay away from those debates. <laughs> yes, I'm going to. I might start just identifying as a Wikipedia expert rather than an actual expert in social science, and let's see what happens. Okay, mate, that sounds like we're coming to an end, doesn't it? I've got a meeting as Um, well, Wicked. Thank
0: you very much. It's really good to have you on. Um, We will delve into some specific questions again at some point. And uh, you know what? It's been nice to speak to someone about something slightly more highbrow than have you been to hospital today and what soup are you having for dinner? Good. Thank you.
1: Yeah, well, good that you're uh, somewhat on the mend and also the podcast is back because it's a good thing to keep going, I think. Yeah, well,
0: look, if this is my last ever um, recording, I just want everyone to know that I'm absolutely furious about it and I take no decorum in having passed.
1: Yes. Okay. And you're an obed. Yes, I'll absolutely. I think that's a yeah, nice absolutely.